Hey, this is Sasha and Courtney from the podcast Spoop Hour. We are a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two certified Halloweenies who laugh through our fear of literally everything. 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 <laughs> you can find us on the internet at Spoop Hour, S-P-O-O-P-H-O-U-R, on Instagram and Twitter, or you can reach out to us via email, spoophour at gmail.com, where you can share any creepy happenings that have happened to you or people you know or things that you've heard down the grapevine. Spoop line, am I right, ladies? Oh, the spoop line. So come get ghosted with us. Pee your pants because of cryptids. Just have a grand old time. It's fun. Hello. Mommy, this show can content that is not suitable for kids like me. Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Plyme and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. All right. So I have all kinds of things today. Ooh, what do you got? Um, I learned something. <gasps> what? I know. I know. I know. I do it occasionally. Um, and this is even about criminal justice but not our criminal justice oh thank so goodness okay. yeah you have to yeah. redo the intro i know i know well i think we're gonna end up having to redo that at some point i mean this is season four surely we've learned something by now i mean i've learned lots of things but i'm not sure many of them are positive well but it doesn't say anything about whether it's good or bad well that's an excellent point so so here's what i learned okay i learned and this is going to be so random but that's intentional Aztecs instituted the death penalty for infidelity. So um, it was part of a reform by Moctezuma I in an attempt to like get better control over all these cities they had conquered. And it also it was uh, in conjunction with like the establishment of a ton of religious schools and um, just lots of really stringent religion based laws. But yeah, if you were unfaithful to your spouse, they would put you to death. Wow. Was this equally applied to both genders? Um, so I looked and Wait, looked and looked. I need to rephrase that. Was that equally applied? Regardless um, of who the infidelity one was? <laughs> <laughs> the cheater, Regardless I guess, of who is cheated. what I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> um, so I will explain later why this was really hard to search for. I, I specifically went searching for it, but um, I, I couldn't find it. The article that I was reading was, it was mostly talking about sort of the historical context. So it was kind of a passing phrase uh. in that in that article. Um, I would assume, no, I would assume this was meant to apply to women, but. Seems reasonable. Right. So yeah. Interesting. That is what I learned. So, you know. If if you are an unfaithful spouse or partner, uh, just be glad you're not also ancient Aztec. I mean, I'm always glad I'm not any one of the ancient peoples because there is no plumbing. Or air conditioning or Wi-Fi. Mostly plumbing, but. Yeah, mostly plumbing. I, I can't. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read The Power of Moments? 
Um, I read the first half. I think I read the whole thing. Did you get to the part about plumbing? I don't remember. That was before things. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, So that was the other thing. That was actually what I was originally going to talk about was plumbing, (laughs) about uh, taking mostly sewage and like making porta potties and that kind of thing in tribal areas or under like completely undeveloped countries and how the problem isn't that you that they don't have the facilities it's that it's not a cultural norm and that if you don't know anything about how germs spread then you don't really think about it and why would you you know take a shit in this gorgeous structure that's nicer than your house and that was in that book I do remember (laughs) that now that you've mentioned it I did read that part yeah that was super interesting it was it was very much like Oh, wow. Halfway through his demonstration with the hair and the, it was like, I see what you are doing here Uh and it is gross. (laughs) Super gross. But effective. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, all right. Well, there we go. I've got cheating and murder and shit. Your turn. What did you learn? I don't know that I can top that. Um, So I learned two things this week. Um, One is that I cannot open my phone with a microphone in front of my face. Oh, well, I mean, that's a useful thing to know. I learned about once three a week. things this week. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I learned this week actually comes from a listener, Kathy. <gasps> yes. Um, and it's not only something I learned, but also kind of a correction. So remember last yes. week when I was talking about the Glen Sheen murders, and how Elizabeth uh, Congdon, yeah, <laughs> uh, her adopted daughter and husband were probably behind it. But the reason was obviously money, and they kept asking for money. And one of the things they asked for money for was a horse ranch because their asthmatic child needed to live on a horse ranch. And then we talked at length about what a pack of bullshit that was. Right. And it, it seems tur- insane. Right. And it turns out not a pack not- of bullshit. Nope. <laughs> this was actually a therapy. So I'm going to uh, just read this from Kathy because she put it really well. Um, this was an actual form of therapy. It is the microbes in the environment, think manure from horses and cattle, that is thought to reduce inflammation of the lungs. In the 1940s, when my dad was very young, he suffered from from chronic asthma. Medication was unavailable, Sicily 1940s dirt poor. The only true relief he had was staying with his grandparents on their farm. So crazy. That is crazy. Thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. Uh, And thanks, Kathy. We love you, too. Um, Yes. Yeah, her letter was really nice. It was pretty sweet. So I went looking when I was researching this morning for more about um, asthmatics being treated via like horse farms and whatnot. And I didn't find much, but I did find that horses can have asthma. Really? (laughs) And so I uh, looked at that for a while. Living on a horse farm, they would be fine. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Maybe they need to live on a people farm. Wait, no, that's not okay. No, (laughs) no. Um, and I also, then I started looking up, can other animals have asthma? Cause I knew for sure that cats could because, uh, one of my cats had asthma. Um, 
Aaron is looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I'm just thinking like you can't give it. They, they, no, animals don't have lips. And like, how would they <laughs> do a breathing treatment? How do you treat this? Well, for Barney. Steroid injections? Just, no, for Barney, I just stopped burning all of the scented candles constantly. Gotcha. And and that took care of the problem. Um, So, yeah. So I went looking for whether or not other animals can have asthma. And again, couldn't find a lot. Just a lot about people that get asthma from being around animals. But I did right. find that Minnesota has its very own bunny island. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you... I mean, I can picture that transition from which animals have asthma to a bunny island. But um, also, I need to know more about this bunny island. It's and a- can we go? Um, so maybe... Um, this was from Atlas Obscura, which is like kind of my favorite place. So there is a bunny island called Peace Peace Bunny Island, I think. Yeah, Peace Bunny Island. It's a private island, and the caretaker, I guess, Caleb Smith, owns the rabbits. They live in Savage for most of the year, but they're escorted to the island each summer. They travel around the island offering comfort, hugs, and hoppiness to those they meet. Hoppiness. Hoppiness. I love bunnies. They are so soft. They are so soft. And some of them are Angora. So they receive haircuts four times a year. And their fur is sold to ethical, eco-friendly textile companies to be turned into luxury yarn. So... I'm allergic to, that is the only animal I'm allergic to is apparently Angora, but I do not know if it is an Angora rabbit or goat. All I know is that I was crocheting bunny slippers for my mom out of Angora (laughs) and like my fingertips and then my tongue went numb. Oh yeah, that's a bad sign. Yeah, no, it was, and it was really not comfortable. And so then I had to do it in short spurts because I was determined to finish the slippers. (laughs) Just because my body's trying to kill me doesn't mean that I'm not going to knit these slippers. Right. They're very cute. Pink bunnies, big long ears. I bet they are. I don't touch them. No, 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 no. So they mentioned that the island is going to be home to a Sea Scout ship this summer. Uh, They've got some artists. There's some STEM um, service learning projects. Um, but I don't know if you can just go there, but there is an email just address. So we could say that maybe we need to test you for bunny allergies to see if it's bunnies or goats. I mean, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So there's a bunny island. A bunny island. Liam and I were in Washington, D.C. last week. And yes. we went to a kitten cafe. Yes, I saw your pictures. Oh my god, it was the best thing ever. That's awesome. How many kittens do you think there were? There were 25. 25? <laughs> That's so many. Did it smell like cats? Did you walk in and go, hmm, don't really want to eat here, but the cats are cute? Uh, no, I wish it had smelled like cats because it smelled like lavender and I hate lavender. Um, oh yeah, I would have, that would have been migraine city. Yeah, so um, we didn't love the lavender, although it seemed to dissipate. I wonder if that was an overnight thing. Because we uh, were the first group in in the morning. Gotcha. Um, or yeah, like something they cleaned amazing. with or put in the litter box or something. Yeah. But no, it smelled pretty clean. It, they seemed to keep a pretty clean job of it. And it was in a storefront and all the litter boxes and whatnot weren't there. Like in the room we were hanging out. Yeah. So animals 
at restaurants. That's problematic. Do they not serve food there? Um, not really. So this was a pop-up. There is a cat cafe uh, in D.C., and this was the kitten pop-up. And they brought stuff in from the coffee shop next door. You could put an order. Gotcha. Order in and they'd bring you coffee and, and snacks. Because then it's okay to have the animals in the food place. Right. Yeah. Because the food doesn't live there. Yeah. They couldn't prepare anything over there. But Right. Oh, that's awesome. It was so great. Um, I know we were going to go for happier things this week, but I failed. How'd you do? Um, I did okay. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, it was not too horrifying. Mine is headed in a direction that brings me great joy, but um, not for a good reason, so. I am intrigued. I know, right? <laughs> so, do you want to tell me your story? <laughs> oh, I can go. Last week on Crime Crazy. I <laughs> talked about the murder of Elizabeth Congdon at Glensheen Mansion in Duluth. So she was murdered by her daughter, Marjorie's husband, Roger, probably because of the sweet, sweet moolah that they were to inherit upon Elizabeth's death. Roger was convicted. He appealed and then released after he made a deal with the Duluth police and confessed. He committed suicide, sad and alone. And the author made sure to point out fat in 1988. And proclaiming his innocence, right? Um, Bizarrely. yeah, but yeah, no. Although one of the articles I read today um, about him said that the author figured that he might have actually done the murder, but there's no way he planned any of that. He was just dim right. and like not, not altogether with it. So he committed suicide in 1988 and Marjorie was tried and acquitted, but Glenn Sheen was really just the beginning for her. Ooh. Marjorie Congdon was born Jacqueline Barnes on July 14th, Bastille Day, 1932, to an unwed mother in Tarboro, North Carolina. She was adopted by heiress Elizabeth Congdon, who changed her name to Marjorie and brought her to Duluth. She was raised in the beautiful Glensheen Mansion on the shores of Lake Superior and attended Dana Hall Prep School in Massachusetts. In 1949, when she was 16, she spent some time at the Menninger Clinic in Topeka, Kansas, which I'm not familiar with, but is apparently really good, where she was diagnosed as a sociopath. In 1951, when she was 18, she was in St. Louis, Missouri, and married Richard Dick Webster Leroy, who was an insurance executive. They had seven children in nine years. So she spent the next nine years pregnant. Oh, yeah. No multiples or anything. Oh. Right? I looked at all the birthdays. (laughs) Yeah. Dick was transferred back to Minnesota, and they lived in St. Louis Park, Mankato, and finally settled in Minneapolis. Marjorie was known for her industriousness, her lovely dinner parties, and her beautifully clothed children. Mm. She was also a compulsive liar and spender which caused Dick to divorce her in April of 1971. She moved to a house in Marine on St. Croix, where she was suspected of torching, but was never charged. Can you imagine being a single mom of seven? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I assume she wasn't doing much of the raising. Well, they, were, they all would have been teenagers by then, because they came along pretty quick after the wedding. Yeah, but that's worse. I guess not. I mean, I guess they can go out and do things, but like, whoa. Yeah. 
Although she wasn't around for much longer because they got divorced in 71. So the oldest kid would have been like 18 or 19. And then five years later, she married the next guy. Although she was loaded. I mean, it's not like you or I having seven kids. (laughs) Right, right. She could have as much help as she wanted. And right. Well, and it sounds like their dad was was pretty well to do. Um, Mm -hmm. They gave the addresses of the places that they lived. They they were real nice. Pretty sure everybody had their own bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. In 1976, Marjorie married Roger Caldwell in Denver, Colorado. And if you need a refresher on how that marriage went, go ahead and listen to last week's episode. (laughs) Right. So flashing forward, having been acquitted of her mother's murder and with Roger in prison, Marjorie decided it was time to get married again, but didn't really feel like she needed to go through a divorce. She decided that her next husband was going to be a guy named Wally Hagen, but there was a problem. Mrs. Hagen. Oh, no. As luck would have it, she mysteriously died after a visit from Marjorie, who was seen feeding her something from a jar and was the last person to see her alive. Gee, I, I wonder what could have happened there. I don't know, but I bet it was marmalade. Yeah. Yeah. Marjorie and Wally were married on August 7th in 1981 in North Dakota. And side note, she is still wanted for bigamy in North Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) But they won't extradite her, so she's safe as long as she doesn't go to North Dakota again. In 1984, Marjorie was convicted of arson and insurance fraud after a 1982 fire at a house in Mound, Minnesota. She was sentenced to two and a half years in prison and served 21 months. In 1991, Marjorie was arrested in Arizona on suspicion of burning her neighbor's house down, having been caught trying to light said house on fire with a kerosene-soaked rag. She also pleaded no contest in connection with an arson fire at a storage unit, which was probably set for a fraudulent insurance claim. Mm -hmm. Police also suspected her in 13 other suspicious fires in the retirement community that she and Wally lived in. In October of 1992, she was convicted of attempted arson. She was supposed to go right to jail, but convinced the judge to give her 24 hours to take care of Wally who was in poor health. So naturally, he was dead by the next day. Oh, my gosh. Police initially believed that he'd been gassed, uh, and Marjorie was arrested and charged with his murder. Upon further investigation, police determined that he died of a drug overdose and a possible suicide, and the murder charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. Marjorie later said that they'd had a suicide pact, but that she'd been unable to hold up her end. She was sentenced to 15 years on the attempted arson conviction and went to prison. What is the, are there criminal charges associated with suicide pacts? Is that like a depraved indifference or like? I don't know. I think it would just be murder if they thought that you had done it. If they thought you had killed the person? Yeah. Like if, no, but like, what if, what if it was, I mean, what if that she was telling the truth, which whatever, but, and they had both agreed to kill themselves and she didn't go through with it. Is she legally culpable for his suicide? I don't know. I mean, there could be 
Like my girl the other week that talked her boyfriend into it is kind of. Well, yeah, but I'm thinking more it would be something to the effect, I can't think of the exact word I'm looking for, but like failure to prevent. Right. Or failure to render aid or something like that. But if somebody wants to commit suicide, I don't think you have a legal obligation. I don't know. To try to stop them. Yeah. I can just imagine um, one of my boyfriends in high school was part of a murder suicide. Um, oh my god! Yeah, he. I guess they were had some kind of crime thing going on, and the cops were after them, and they pulled over, and my ex uh, shot his partner and killed himself. Wow! Yeah. Um. So I don't Jeez. know. I kind of imagine after he shot the other guy, his thought was, "Well, fuck." Yeah. <laughs> now I'm a murderer. Right. Which would be kind of my thought if I were part of a murder suicide pact. Or or if I ever murdered anyone for any reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Oh. But I wonder if that's why she uh, got a little bit extra time cuz attempted arson doesn't usually get you 15 years. Well, yeah, but she there were a lot of I mean, well, I guess you can't punish her for things you suspect that she did but well it seems exactly. well deserved it does but she was only convicted of two fires out of probably at least 15 that she said god um so 15 years after serving nine years she was up for parole two of wally's children who believed that marjorie killed their dad which she probably did attended the hearing to ask that she not be released One of Marjorie's own children and her sister Jennifer, who believed that she was behind their mother's murder, requested in writing that parole be denied, and it was. She was released in 2004, serving almost 11 years of her 15-year sentence. mm. (laughs) She was arrested in March 2007 at her residence at an assisted living facility on charges of computer fraud and several other counts. That same month, a gentleman friend of Marjorie's, Roger Sammies, had died, and Marjorie had him cremated before a cause of death could be determined. Convenient. She'd befriended Roger and became his power of attorney and was caught trying to deposit his $11,181 inheritance into her bank account after he died. Mm. She was charged with fraud and forgery for taking money from his bank account, pleaded guilty. She was sentenced to three years of intensive probation. Intensive probation. Intensive probation. The next year, she petitioned to have her probation ended so that she could go to a nursing home, but that request was denied. In 2016, she bought a new home in Tucson, Arizona, where she still lives. Five of her seven... Tucson. Tucson. Five of her seven children filed a civil suit after the Glensheen murders to have her disinherited on the grounds that she was involved in the Glensheen murders. As a result, she receives $40,000 per year from the Congdon estate and Wally's pension. No lump sum, no inheritance. Well, that's good. And it's good for her kids. Like, yeah, they. I'm glad that they see her. They do. And it sounds like her inheritance goes directly to them now, which... Right, that seems fair, yes. Marjorie is still alive and 86 years old. 
she's estranged from all but one of her children, and her neighbors are terrified of her. They report mm. passing books around about the murders, Will to murder Glensheen's daughter, and the association president says she's compiled a four-inch thick binder on Marjorie and added, I definitely have enough information to put her back in jail if it comes to that. I feel like if you're putting forth that much effort and there is that much information, like, go ahead. Sadie six. Well, I know, but she's a scary bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's scary. I, I think you can still light a fire when you're 86. Like, maybe she's still not safe. I, could be. Her best friend in the neighborhood got a visit from Marjorie's <laughs> probation officers and she was asked to sign a paper indicating that she understood that a friendship with Marjorie could pose serious risks. Oh, my God. <laughs> but says, I judge people as they are, not on how I heard they are. Everyone deserves a chance at redemption. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess that you would have to be a special kind of person to even embark upon that relationship. So... Well, and it sounded like I read an article where they talked to a bunch of the people in the neighborhood and almost all of them insisted on anonymity because uh, they're terrified of her. Right. And they said, you know, like when somebody new moves to the neighborhood, somebody will slip them a piece of paper that says, here's who this woman is. Go Google her. And they pass these books around about the Glensheen murders and everybody knows who she is. Everybody's fucking terrified of her. Yeah, again put her back in jail like it must be new information or new crimes right so it's not like they i don't know I just, yeah well and also let's take with a grain of salt the homeowners association president saying that she has enough to put her in jail true true i mean i'm pretty sure i know enough about lots of people to put them in jail but whether or not that would happen or not is a different thing that's true yeah that's just crazy. And to think of someone, I mean, I, I think she's just evil, right? And to think of someone who's that evil, but like also now being an old woman is really strange. They seem to like die before we talk about them. <laughs> yeah. No, she is still kicking and she keeps pleading like health problems. Like I need to go to the nursing home, blarty blar. And one of the authors said, you know, she's, fucking old she's smaller than I thought she was gonna be but I saw her walking her dog she doesn't use a walker like she seems like a pretty right. pretty spry broad of her age she's fine she's fine <laughs> she just doesn't want to be on probation anymore yeah which normally I would say okay how about let's be compassionate she's old blah blah but no I think this she sounds like she's still scary well and she is a diagnosed sociopath or right. psychopath I forget which what they said but Earlier um, you said sociopath because she was like 16, right? She was 16. Which, I mean, I feel like most 16-year-old girls are sociopaths, but she stuck with it. Well, she stuck with it and she was in the clinic. Yeah. So yeah. I think they would, I would like to think they know the difference between a sociopath and a 16-year-old. Yeah. Well, some of those diagnoses, they won't make if you're too young, right? Like I think so. any of the personality kinds of things you have to, because I mean, when you're developed, I, I don't know. I feel like every teenager 
fits most of the <laughs> since you can't every, just do a chemical test like they're all right they're all crazy i think every three-year-old's a sociopath oh good god and a slytherin <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that no but loyal and intelligent yeah but combined you get voldemort well yeah there's yeah. always one yeah or everyone hey Loyal no, I'm not saying every Slytherin. I'm saying every three-year-old. Oh, not oh, yeah, every yeah. Slytherin. No, they're all they're all crazy. David's a Slytherin. He's alright. Alright, so you're gonna bum me out now? Um, I don't know if it's bum out. I mean, I mean it is. Like it's bad, right? But it's just murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fine. NBD, just a murder. Right, just a murder. Um, okay, so here we go. Uh my last story was continuing on the weird thread. Eventually, so I, I like where I'm going next. <laughs> eventually, I will, um, I don't know, I guess I'll have a destination at some point. I know you're heading toward a specific place. I'm just kind of going where it takes me. <laughs> well, it's harder than I thought to move move things along in a direction, but I'm going to make it work. Right. Meanwhile, I'm absolutely delighted with what I can only imagine is my next connection for next week. <laughs> so, so here's how I want to start this one, though. Instead of telling you what the connection is, um, I think that you'll be able to pick it up really quick and we can talk about it. But I wanted to start with just making it very clear that I don't condone murder. <laughs> what? I know. And... <laughs> And um, when I say, so I know we've had this conversation, I've had it with you and I've had it with Marie, uh, that when I say don't end up on next week's episode, what I mean is don't commit crime at all, right? Don't do that. <laughs> and I, I feel Fair. like sometimes when you say it, it means don't get caught. <laughs> I have been accused of having a shady moral compass by well, you. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> but see having said that after reading probably hundreds of murder stories at this point mm. I feel like one thing they all have in common is this lack of forethought especially around body disposal and that if people would just take the time to pre-plan that shit then they're would not be such an issue with murderers getting caught. You know, I remember my mom when I was a kid, and she's puzzled at how I turned out this way. But we've had a very <laughs> in-depth discussion about how it's amazing that any bodies are found because there are so many places that you could hide a body. Again, the woman who raised me is puzzled at how I do this. <laughs> but I've I've always kind of thought about that, that, yeah, with a little forethought and half a brain, you could easily get rid of a body. Yeah. Well, so I have a body disposal plan. Do you have a body disposal plan? <laughs> I mean, I do. <laughs> I will tell you mine because I feel like this is also on my quest to never actually murder someone. Like, I'll text about it and I'll talk about it and then I won't be able to do it because then I would get caught. Right. Mine is to feed a a dead person to pigs. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mine is, there's a part in my basement floor that was never filled in. 
Mm. So it'd be to that and then fill it in. And in fact, I might fill it in anyway, but I'm definitely planting a Halloween skeleton down there. My mom planted a Halloween skeleton under her porch when they had it redone. She has this gorgeous wraparound giant porch. And yep. First, they named it, made it my grandmother's boyfriend, and played with it in the house for a couple of weeks, and then they put it under the porch. House guests do get tiresome. Right? <laughs> Three days and you're gone. Thanks for not killing um, me, Barb. <laughs> I, <laughs> yikes. I, um, it, in your house, though, it would always be in your house. Well... I mean, I keep some things I knit around the house. Yes, but presumably they aren't decomposing bodies. I don't know. It just makes me think of like Telltale Heart. Yeah. See, that's a bonus. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, it would, that would be a downside for me. <laughs> no, I mean, the decomp smell would be a situation. Um, I don't have a very good sense of smell, but I smell that just fine. Yeah. So, you know. I mean, to be clear, we're talking about the cat that crawled under your deck and died and not a body, like a human body. I mean, both, but the cat was pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. Was that just last summer? Yeah. Oh, my God. It seems like a, seems like it should have been longer ago. <laughs> I mean, it had to have been. I haven't known you very long. That's true. I suppose it would have had to be last summer. Yeah. Well, that's bold. Um, I'm still going to go with the pigs. That's nice and passive. It is, but I don't know anybody who has a bunch of pigs. So that is the problem. And because that's my body disposal plan, like I'm a little scared of pigs now. I They will fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah, they will. So I have a story Yay. related to this. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd and Amy Mullis were 42 and 39, respectively. They had three children, 13, 11, and 8, and an unhappy marriage. Mm. And they lived together on a pig farm in Iowa. Until not very long ago, like six months. Oh, wow. And and where in Iowa was this pig farm? I.e., did I go to high school with this guy? Ooh, um, <laughs> let's see. This pig farm was in Earlville. Yeah, I don't know that. Oh, Not well, the school district. Earlville, which just is such a name. Anyway. That is such a middle of nowhere town name. <laughs> it really is. It's like, what are we going to call this town? Earlville. <laughs> well, you know, it was only like that one family that lived there. Right. <laughs> and they named the right. town after Grandpa. <laughs> right. And it stuck. So in July of 2018, so last year, mm-hmm. he discovered that she was having an affair again. <gasps> and so... So she, she moved... slept with all three men in Earlville? Yes. Todd and the other two. <laughs> so she moved out of their bedroom... And, I mean, their marriage was not in good shape anyway, obviously, right, if she's having a second affair. Right. Um, But she also started to get kind of nervous. And I didn't have any context or any sort of, uh, there were a couple of quotes, but, so I don't know if this was something that she would have said to her friends sort of jokingly, and so they didn't take her very seriously, or if she said it, like, in earnest, but no one did anything or nothing got done in time or whatever. But she started to say things like, 
you know, if I ever disappear, Todd killed me and fed me to the pigs. Or if I die in some unusual circumstance, you'll know it was Todd. Because she was, he was so mad about these affairs and she was too afraid to leave him and was just convinced that he was going to kill her. So I used to tell Jeff that if things ever went south between us, I wasn't going to get divorced again. I'd just have him killed. I'd like to clarify for the record, I did not do it. Oh my God, Diana. I will vouch for you. (laughs) We were very happy. (laughs) Yes. Oh man. Um, Yeah, so these guys, not so much. And something did happen to her. So on November 10th of last year, uh, her 13-year-old son went into one of the barns. The family was working. It was a. It was actually Veterans Day weekend. It was a Saturday, and he found his mom on the ground on the bar in the barn, hunched over. It said that she was like crouched or sort of squatting with a corn rake protruding oh. out of the back of her back. Oh shit! Yes. So he frantically called his dad, this poor 13-year-old boy, who ran in, pulled out the rake, put his wife in the car, and started driving to the hospital while calling 911, which is a question that I didn't realize that I have maybe always been asking myself what I would do in the circumstance. Mm -hmm. But it kind of answered the question because along the way, an ambulance met them and he pulled over and they transferred her and the ambulance took her the rest of the way. And it made me realize that I've always thought like, if something happens, do I put my kid in the car and go or do I wait for the ambulance? Because if I wait for the ambulance, I'm not doing anything, but medical professionals will be here. So my new plan is to go and call 911 on the way. Yeah, well, and it depends where you are, too, because um, we've run into that with Liam's asthma and allergies. Um, and I have always driven him to the hospital myself because I thought I could do it quicker than the ambulance to could get to me and then to the hospital. And then back. Right. Which makes sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. you only have to go one way. I only have to go one way and I had an EpiPen on me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So at that point they weren't, I mean, they were value add, but I was going to be there soon enough. Right. So. And I suppose in a rural area, the dual pronged approach makes a lot of sense. It's true. Yeah. Now here I might just wait because I don't, necessarily know the fastest way to the closest hospital right you know that would be the good one to go to for whatever it is that has happened or but right and there's always that we would go through the calculation too is it rush hour can we get there faster you know do we would it be better to have a siren like there's all that calculation that you do in the 30 seconds that you're making the decision yeah well in this circumstance it didn't matter by the time they got her to the hospital they pronounced her dead she was Uh dead already before they left but so the police questioned Todd of course about you know what happened like here's your wife with this rake sticking out of her back and now she's dead what happened and he said this she had been recovering from surgery that she'd had the week before and I couldn't find what surgery it was but something relatively minor mm-hmm. um, that they had been having a work day on the barn or on the farm they had been in the barn she was helping with some light bulbs like replacing bulbs or fixing wiring or whatever mm-hmm. but every time she would go up and down the ladder she would get dizzy and so he finally told her just go back in the house and lie down 
And that was the last time he'd seen her. And so he assumed what happened after that is that she got up and came back out to the barn. Maybe she was feeling better. Went up on the ladder, got dizzy and passed out and fell onto the corn rake, accidentally impaling and killing herself. So aside from the fact that that seems highly unlikely. Well, and it presumes that there's a giant corn rake in the middle of the floor that nobody did anything about under a ladder. Under the ladder that she was on alone, feeling faint, after telling her friends that she thought she might be fed to pigs. Right. They also found there were six stab wounds in (gasps) her back, in her torso, and the rake only had four tines. Oh, so she flopped about. Yes. (laughs) Stabbed herself twice. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. So they dug in a little bit more. And they discovered that in the four days before her death, he had done some really interesting Googling on his iPad. (sighs) So here's what he Googled. Organs in the body. Which is an interesting thing to Google. I guess if you just don't know and your plan is to stab somebody with a rake, better to know exactly where they are. Right. I feel like that's a pretty broad search. Yeah, organs in the body. Um, Killing unfaithful women. Oh, that's fairly specific. Yeah, right on the nose. And then, bizarrely, what happened to cheating spouses in historic Aztec tribes? (laughs) (laughs) And there we go. (laughs) And there we go. Which is now, or why it is now very hard to search (laughs) that phrase, because it only brings up articles about Todd Mullis. That is weirdly specific. Right. Do we have any idea why he specifically went Aztec? Or was it like a... No. Like, did he have an interest in native cultures? (laughs) I couldn't figure anything out. He lived in Iowa, so it's not that. He's just this old white farmer in Iowa, so not that old. Well, no, not even that old. But like, he's just a dude. I don't. I have no idea. Oh my god. Maybe he just associated Aztecs with like violent justice, and he was like, "So what do they do? Well, just whatever they did. That's what we'll do." Oh my. Yeah, I don't know. Unless it stemmed from some fight or conversation that they had. Or that is a very highbrow argument. Well, you know, darling, if we lived in an ancient Aztec society, right? (laughs) Then I would know where your organs were, right? And kill you for being unfaithful. Uh, So yeah, I think it was as dictated by law. As right, I thought it was really. funny and I knew that it was going to happen to some extent when I I was typing out my notes and I was like what happened to cheating spouse you know that should be my thing I learned this week let me find out what happened to yeah almost impossible to find because every single article is about this and Uh. references the fact that he googled that phrase so he was the last person able to google that phrase and get an answer (laughs) that is crazy so um because this all happened in November Nothing has been decided or done. His first hearing was supposed to be on March 8th. 
when he was arrested back in November, very shortly after she died, uh, they asked for $5 million cash bond wow. and to turn over his passport and guns. And so he went to jail. And I couldn't find anything about whether or not he has ever gotten out since then or whether he has spent the entire time in jail. Mm-hmm. My guess is he spent the entire time in jail. Yeah. Um, and since March 8th was Friday, I there is nothing to be learned. Um, but he had not been released as of the writing of the article I was reading, which was back in February. Ooh, we'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah. So um, there was one other article that I did find that was written on Friday that was talking about a, an arraignment date set. So my guess is they went to the hearing to set the date for the... So nothing has happened yet. But the problem was that that was behind a paywall and I couldn't figure out how to get around it. Ugh. And I don't want to end up on next week's episode. So <laughs> that's all the information you get. All right. <laughs> so yeah. But I'm really um, morbidly excited because while I did not go to cannibalism from the woman who was texting about eating her obsessions, brains with chopsticks or blood, whatever, um, I think I might end up with some pig body disposal in a coming episode because that seems like a thread to carry on. Ooh. Right? I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) We are twisted. (laughs) Not okay. Well, yes. I will uh, have to post a picture of my newly redone office. Yes. Where everybody can see the poster of the serial killers that, uh, with their cold dead eyes, stare at me as I'm sitting at my desk now. And I love it. (laughs) Now, whenever you work and you onboard wonderful new hires and talk to people (laughs) that you love to work with, you can watch your serial killers and they can be there with you. That's right. (laughs) All my friends right here. (laughs) (laughs) It's not leading or lending any like believability to your claim that you you didn't have your husband murdered, but I'm still going to vouch for you there. True story. Didn't have him murdered. Plus, I feel like you would be more of a hands-on person. You wouldn't have anyone murdered. No. My upper body strength is really poor. Well, yeah, but that's not the only way to murder someone. No, but I mean, if they put up any kind of fight, I'd be in a pickle. True. Maybe you could just make them some marmalade. I don't know how to make marmalade. Like, that's a whole process. Well, okay, maybe you could make them some coffee. Like uh, that I can do. <laughs> it's not the marmalade that's important, <laughs> Diana. <laughs> just Google. <laughs> I wonder what it was. I mean, and nobody said anything about marmalade, although, you know, there was the marmalade incident with her mom, and then they said they saw her feeding or something out of a jar. I wonder, like, does marmalade hide the taste? I mean, I like, if it's, it's a orange nice. marmalade, it's acidic. Yeah. So maybe. Maybe. And you could mix something into it pretty easily. Right, because you're it's not already cooking at, it. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't want to do that. And it's already right. a little bit chunky and whatnot. Yeah, and if yeah. it tasted a little bit off, like it was a fruit, and well, and like I did it myself. Maybe it was a bad jar, you know. Yeah. No, I think it's probably just a. Plus, you can probably dissolve a whole lot in. Like, you could probably get somebody to ingest a lot of it quickly. Yeah. Like just smear a big old chunk on 
on their bread. Instead of like if you were baking something for them and then they had to eat 16 cookies before it was lethal. Well, right. And what if the baking tones right, down the effect? Yeah. I think you're going to need to make marmalade. Learn okay. how to make marmalade. Yeah. Yeah, or don't murder tasty. people. Well, I wasn't going to murder True. anybody, but now I kind of want to make some marmalade because it sounds tasty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, can we move on to the, like shout outs and, and fun, happy part? We can. Hooray. All right. Erin, we yes. have a shout out. I know. For a review. Woohoo. Yay. Wait, wait, wait. Five star review. Uh-huh. Yay. Yay. So thank you to Marta Spurk, who left us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to receive a shout-out, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice. We give shout-outs for all reviews. But we like the five-star ones the best. Yes, we do. Crime Crazy is sponsored this week by Dave Hat and Seb Bryce. Woohoo! Thank you. Show sponsors support Crime Crazy through Patreon at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. Thank you. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support Crime Crazy, please check out our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash crimecrazypod or just search for Crime Crazy Podcast. All patrons get a monthly shout out on the show. Erin, what is the next cool thing we're doing with our Patreon donations? We're going to a conference. We are. We're going to a conference in, I want to say July, but I got to look up the confirmation again. No, I'm fairly certain that's right. I think it's like really early July, which um, after the snow again (sighs) yesterday, I am so looking forward to for so many reasons. So annoyed. Mm -hmm. You know what doesn't annoy me? Hmm. The fact that you can follow Crime Crazy on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> at facebook.com slash crimecrazypod. From there, you can catch up on the conversation by joining one of the discussion groups. We've got a public group that everyone is welcome at. We've got a private group if you don't want your grandma to know the crazy shit you like to listen to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Crime Crazy Pod, on Instagram at Crime Crazy Pod, visit our website at crimecrazypodcast.com, or email us at crimecrazypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on the socials. On Twitter, you're at Erin Plyme. <laughs> I'm at Diana underscore Seacon. And you started ins- to laugh, and I was like, shit, I must have gotten it wrong. <laughs> no, it just took you so long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> On Instagram, you're at Eplime. And I'm at Diana underscore Seacon. So, Diana, I have one other thing. Hmm. I listened to a podcast this week. I did, and it was something totally outside of what I normally listen to. Mm-hmm. But it was a woman um, that who was also a podcaster who had gotten in touch. And so we swapped some of our favorite episodes and we're like, hey, try this out. What do you think? So the podcast I listened to is called Moms Do It All, mm-hmm. which is... Um, I I don't want to use the term like mommy blog because that's such a negative thing and it was really good. (laughs) But it was very much like she's a mom of triplets. Oh, God. Yeah. And they're little. Uh, And so it's it's like all kinds of mom stuff. And they were talking about she was interviewing this woman who was a crafter who Mm -hmm. had come up. She has her own business. And what she does is she makes craft kits that she 
mails out like a subscription service, but they are designed to be used in a group setting with like a bunch of moms. So you would have all your mom friends over and then you would all put together a craft. And the idea is while your hands are busy, you're bonding with other women and that's how you can form friendships. And, you know, it's Mm. something that's easy enough for anyone to do, even if they're not terribly crafty. And then you come away with something useful. And it was very cool. But it also made me think that like, that's how we do knitting. Right. And that is exactly, exactly (laughs) what it is, right? Everyone's hands are busy. You don't have to make awkward eye contact. You're allowed to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And then we just hang out without our children. And it's so great. Well, and funnily enough, when I started the knitting group, like 12, it'll be 13 years this year, I think. Um, You're old. I mean, yeah, no kidding. But it was (laughs) to do charitable knitting. And then we got to be uh-huh. friends and, you know, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and sorry. And now it's a cult. And now it's a cult. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was what I listened to. It's very much outside of what I normally pick because, like, no one died. Right. Um, but it was very good. And her, it's a really well done podcast. It was interview style and they were obviously remote. But, um, yeah, just really interesting topics and it wasn't preachy or any of those you know Mm -hmm. mommy blog kind of things (laughs) awesome yeah I'm gonna count it as not a mommy blog but just a very cool podcast so I have also left her a review so that was my my podcaster good deed of the day my second one or of the week (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very ambitious (laughs) yay my second one is that I am downloading iTunes to my computer, even though I hate iTunes and it's a PC. Yeah. But that is so I can leave reviews. Yay. So anyway, I need to know, have you any advice for us this week? I do. If one of your girlfriends, even in jest, starts saying things like, I'm afraid he's going to kill me. Feed me to the pigs. Ask a follow-up question. Would you like to leave? Can I help you? Right. Something. Anything. Call your people. Call your people. And don't end up on next week's episode. <laughs>